Well, Northside family, good to see you. And if you would, would you welcome everybody on our live stream and our video venue? Just want to say hello to them. And uh, man, I love getting to do church together with you. Love getting to hear you guys sing in this room, especially those words, Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here because this is what we believe when we allow the Spirit to come into our life, which is literally the presence of Jesus. He changes everything. He changes everything from our identity to our mind, to our actions, to our plans. And this is why every day we're saying, Holy Spirit, we want you to lead our life. Holy Spirit, we want you to lead this church. Jesus, this is your church. And that's why we're doing this series called Shoes, uh, because we're looking about how Jesus comes in and he steps into the lives of people. And he doesn't just step into their life. He steps into every single part of their life. Literally, last week we talked about how he didn't just step into shoes because the man the life that he stepped into was a demon-possessed man who had no shoes. And Jesus goes, even if you don't have shoes, I'll step into your shoes. If you're barefoot, I'll step into your life. There's nothing that will separate us from Christ because he's always coming after us. And today we're going to be looking about how Jesus steps into our work boots. And these are my work boots and uh, not the coolest pair of shoes you've ever seen. Uh, matter of fact, they are hand-me-downs from my dad. Dad bought them, didn't like them. And uh, he's like, hey, I know you don't do any work. Do you want some boots? And uh, I'm like, all right, dad, yeah. No, and he knows that about me. You know, I don't do a great job of outdoor. And, uh, and I'm trying them on. I'm like, hey, they're waterproof. They're awesome. And so now I wear them whenever, you know, changing out the mulch. And come wintertime in a couple months when it snows, these are the boots I'll wear. Uh, when my kiddos drag me outside and they go, hey, pull me. You know, I'm like the, the kind of the sled man now. And I got to pull them all across the yard. But these are my boots. These are the work boots that I wear when I'm doing work outside in life. And the thing is, all of us, we kind of have that pair of shoes. They might not be boots, but they're your work shoes. Because everybody in this room, no matter if you're retired or not, every single one of us, work is a part of our lives. It's a part of us. Even if you're unemployed right now and you're looking for work, you're going, no, work is a part of my life. If you're retired, you're still wired for work. My grandpa, he had a birthday this last week. He lives up in Scottsburg. And I'm telling you, if the town of Scottsburg asked him to plant and raise enough tomatoes for the whole town, he would do it. He's one of those guys, man, he will outwork you even though he's retired. He's a Marine. Also, so there's just an unbelievable work ethic to him. And here's the deal for us. What I found is this. We kind of fall in one of two categories when it comes to work. This is what I found. Typically, it's this. We either live to work or we work to live. We either live to work. Now, I won't make you raise your hand, but, but that's kind of how I'm wired, man. I live to work. And somebody's like, well, what do you do on your day off? Well, I, I plan my day off about how I'm going to work on my day off. And not that I'll do church work, but I'm like, first, I just can't wake up and not have a plan, man. Like, that kind of freaks me out. I'm like, no, 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 what are we going to do today? And when are we going to do it? And for how long? And this and that. And I'm like, man, I live to work. It's how I wired. Some of you are like, oh, get a life, right? You know, and that sounds like torture because you, you know, you're going, man, I work to live. And there's nothing wrong with one or the other. We're, we're wired differently, but work is in us. I think this is how we got the song. You guys might know the lyrics. Everybody's working for the what? Weekend, 11.30, that was weak, all right? You're like, man, you had a rough weekend. But that song was literally, hey, everybody's working for the weekend. 
But we're working, and the thing is this, and this is what we find about Jesus. When he steps into our work boots, he doesn't just step into our life to save us from our sin. He also comes to step into our life to reframe what work even looks like for us. Oftentimes, this is the mistake I've made. I don't know if you've made this before, but I've made this mistake, and I'm like, man, my my relationship with Jesus, we're kind of over here. Right? I go to church. Sometimes I might give God some money because I'm like, man, get off my back. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a heathen. And I kind of do my spiritual thing over here. But my work is over here. And, And we live in this dichotomy where a lot of times we'll let Jesus be over there. But our livelihood, the way we live our life, our career, we're doing it by ourselves over here. And what we're going to find today is this. Jesus rewires all of that. And what he says is this. You can't have faith over here and your work over here. That's not the way I've created it. Matter of fact, as we look at Luke chapter 10 today, what we're going to find is this. Luke was hired by a man named Theophilus who was a high-ranking Roman official to figure out if Jesus really was the Messiah because this is what Theophilus knew. If I really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, it's going to change my career forever because here's what's going to happen to Theophilus' life. If he claims that Jesus is Lord and Savior, then what he's saying is this, Caesar is not Lord. And that is why the early Christians were killed, because Caesar called himself the Son of God and the Prince of Peace. Sound familiar? And so what happens is this, faith and work could not be separated. And what we're going to find today is this. When Jesus steps into our shoes, he begins to reframe what work looks like. He begins to set work in its proper context. Matter of fact, what I found is this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, this whole idea of work. Sometimes we think work is a punishment from God. It's not. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 1, 31. We are made in this image of God. And when God created everything, God saw all that he made. And it was very good. See, this whole idea of where work comes from, where this kind of idea that we have dreams, we have plans, even if you're, you know, working to live, it's all right if you're doing that, but you're going, man, there are plans because God has made you in his image, and he's going, work is a part of my image. Work doesn't define you. It isn't all of your identity, but it is a part of our lives. Matter of fact, he goes on to say this. Moses writes this down in Genesis chapter 2 because it explains what our calling is in work. In verse 15, It said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That God, before sin entered the world, said, hey, I've got a plan for you. I've got work for you to do. I want you to take care of my garden. He gave us, he empowered us, and it said, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, You will surely die. And isn't it interesting that how sin comes into the world is through Satan attacking Adam and Eve's work. He got them to start thinking more about the tree that they weren't supposed to be around than the work that God had for them. That's what Satan loves to do. He loves to come in and he loves to destroy everything about us. He wants to destroy your work. He wants to destroy your career. And this is why Jesus steps into our shoes and he says, hey, I want your shoes of your work and your career. I don't want you to do them by yourself. I want to do this with you. And we've got to understand what God is doing because here's what we need to get our our minds around is this. We need to allow Jesus to reframe what work is. Work, according to Genesis and the way that God created it, is a gift 
not a curse. Oftentimes we think God cursed us with work, right? And we're going, come on, God, are we that bad? And here's what God's saying, no, 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 no. Actually, your life won't find fulfillment until you're doing work that matters. Because don't that, I mean, you don't even have to be a believer here today of Jesus to agree with that, that you're going, I want my life to matter. I want my work to matter. I want my dreams to matter. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference in this world. It was uh, phenomenal. Yesterday, uh, I got to go pray to open up Harvest Homecoming. They asked me to come down and pray. And uh, this is going to be a good week, isn't it? Right? Like, this is the week. Now, here's the thing about Harvest Homecoming. We go down there and we just, you know, eat, you know, all the food, make ourselves silly. We'll come back and we'll repent next weekend. Father, forgive me, right, for I have eaten everything at Harvest Homecoming. But... This is the deal with Harvest Homecoming. We love to go down there and just lose our minds on food, but we have no idea all the work it took to get there. But see, that's the beauty of work. We get to enjoy creation. We get to create. We get to give ourselves to something incredible, and we get to enjoy the harvest of it. And God is saying, I have wired you with this idea of work. The only problem is this. If we try to work on our own, we miss out on the eternal work that God is trying to do in us. As a matter of fact, I read a stat this week that said this. In America, it is now up to 53% of employees are unhappy with their job. Over half of Americans that work don't like their work. If you need prayer, stay seated after the service. I'm counting on 53% of you staying, right? Because here's what's happened. We'll start doing work, but we won't like it, and we're frustrated. And what do we do with that? What do we do when work really, man, it is it's sideways, and we're going, I'm doing this, but I feel lifeless, and I feel like I don't have a purpose in my work. And see, this is why Luke chapter 10 is so important for us. This is why we need Jesus to step into our story and to step into our work, because he wants to begin to redeem our work, but he redeems it in a way that we don't see. This is why we need to open the scriptures. And in Luke chapter 10, listen to the story in verse 38 through 42. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a certain woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what Jesus said. Man, what a cool moment. Jesus comes over with the disciples and he begins to teach in this lady's house. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Just a quick insight. Be careful when you start yelling at Jesus, all right? You might be on the wrong path. See, here's what we're figuring out about Martha quickly. Martha has a work ethic, doesn't she? Here's the only problem. She's doing work. But she doesn't know where Jesus is in her work. She's yelling at Jesus. She has no problem doing work. For a lot of you in this room today, you have no problem working your tail off. But you're doing work, and you don't know where Jesus is. Listen to what Jesus says to her in verse 41. I love his response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Anybody worried or upset here today? 
Listen to what Jesus says. But only one thing is needed. One thing. Mary has chosen what is better. She's at his feet listening. And he says, and it will not be taken away from her. In the midst of your work, Jesus is wanting to do a different work that you don't even see right now. See, this is why we need to invite him in, not just to end our heart to save us from our sins, but into our work, into our career, into our livelihood, even into every area that maybe we don't even know. Like, oh, I bet God doesn't have time for this. No, 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 no. He has all the time in the world, and he stops his teaching to help Martha go, no, I want to reframe what work looks like for you. If you're following along, you might want to write this in, is that when we lose our why, we lose our way. In life. When you and I, when we lose our why, this is what's happened to Martha. Martha was so excited to have Jesus over, and then she forgot why he came over. You know why he came over? To change her life. You know why Jesus has stepped into earth? You know why he left heaven? He came in to save and redeem this world. This is why when we see baptisms, we go, oh my, Wow, God, you see us right where we are and you step into our lives and you save us and you give us a new life. That's why our baptism shirts say we are a new creation because 2 Corinthians 5 says this, that the old is gone and the new has come, that Jesus comes literally into our life and he steps in our shoes and he redeems everything about us. But here's the deal. Is that why you exist? Is that your purpose in your work? Because I'm telling you this, when you lose your why, you're going to lose your way. This is when our work begins to just be meaningless. You may make six figures and you go, and I absolutely hate my life. And what you found is this, six figures doesn't make your way. Now, some of you are like, I'd like to try that for a little bit, right? Let's just, I mean, let's demo that for six months, Lord, and then I'll come back to you and go, yeah, that that didn't do it. But here's what happens. Jesus stops in this, and he goes, whoa, whoa, and he says, Martha, and I love the way he responds. He doesn't yell back at her. He's heartbroken. He's like, oh, Martha, oh, girl, I love it. You're in there. You know, you're making probably some good stew. You're cooking it up. Oh, man, this is so great. But you are absolutely missing the mark. Martha, I love that you work hard, Martha. That's great. But working hard isn't the point of life. Jesus says what? One thing is needed. One thing. Me in your life and in your work, reframing and redeeming all things in what is needed. Because here's what happens when we lose our way. It's because we got distracted. Martha forgot literally Jesus was in her house. Some of you, you forgot why you came to church this morning because you were getting your kids ready and you lost your mind and you showed up here and you went, why are we here again? Because I'm pretty sure I lost my salvation in the parking lot, right? Like trying to get in. My kid didn't want to go in to check in. No, everybody saw that we don't have a perfect family. Can we just, you know, pack up and get out of here? And and we forget why we're here and we get distracted. Literally this week, Tuesday morning, I woke up and sometimes this just happens. 4.40 in the morning, woke up, just wide awake. No alarm, nothing. And here's what I've begun. This is what I begin to do. Now I don't fight it. I don't try to lay there and, you know, lay in bed till I can finally, you know, maybe it's 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever. I just go, all right, Lord, I'm up. All right, coffee's on. 
Go make some coffee, 5 a.m. I'm like, Lord, you got me up. I'm going to open your word. I started reading more over this text, and I'm reading about how Martha was distracted, and I was literally going, you know what, Lord? I'm doing pretty good, man. 5 a.m., cup of coffee, the Bible is open, I'm journaling, I'm talking with the Lord, and I'm not, I'm not kidding you, on Tuesday morning this week, 5.30, my little four-year-old Carter comes out of his room, and I'm like, hey, buddy, go back to bed. No, I'm awake. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're sleepwalking. You get back in there right now. Literally, I'm sitting, I'm praying over this, I'm reading over this. You know, Martha was distracted. I'm like, I ain't getting no distractions right now. This is me and the Lord. Carter, when he came out, he woke up my seven-year-old daughter, Lily. She comes out and she's fired up. What are we doing? And I said, well, they, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, me and, me and the Lord, me and the Lord, not you. And uh, she, she runs to her room. I'm not kidding you. Goes, gets her Bible. She comes out because she can read now. She opens up to 2 Samuel and just starts reading out loud. Like group Bible study, 5.30 in the morning, right? Household. And I'm sitting there, I'm trying to, but Martha was distracted. Lily's, they're running around. And finally I said, Lily, just go make breakfast. I, I, need, I need time with the Lord. I don't need distractions. I don't need this right now. And she comes running back with two eggs. And she goes, Daddy, we're going to make waffles. And the box says you have to have two eggs to make the waffles. And guess what? All we have are two eggs eggs. And as she said it, she dropped one on the hardwood floor, busted. I'm not kidding you. 530 in the morning. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Here's what I'm telling you. Man, you can meet with the Lord. That doesn't mean you're not going to come into distractions. The deeper thing is this. What do you and I do in the midst of our distractions? Because they're coming. You can wake up at 4.40 in the morning if you want. Your kids are coming in the room. They're going to spoil your Jesus time. <laughs> right? You can set your alarm. You can do these different things. I'm telling you, just because you're going to take some steps, it doesn't mean there's not going to be distractions. Sometimes we get discouraged because there's distractions. And what Jesus is saying is this. Hey, in the midst of our distractions, remember that I am with you. The one thing that you need is with you. Because here's what I'm finding with all this stuff. It's not just who's better, Mary or Martha. It's going, Martha's over here. She's working her tail off. She's doing all this hard work, but she's forgotten that Jesus is with her. And Mary is doing the deeper work of going, Jesus is in the room and I am at his feet doing the hard work of listening to him, focusing on him amongst all the chaos. She was hearing all the noise in the kitchen. She was hearing Martha hit all the pans and all this other stuff. And she was focused on Jesus amongst all the distractions in the world. And here's the dark side of our distractions. If we're not careful, here's what, here's what will begin to happen. We won't even know it. There's three things that come out of Martha in this moment. This is why we got to pay attention to Jesus in our work, in our conflicts, in our distractions, because here's what happened to Martha. She began to believe that Jesus doesn't care about her. She began to believe that Jesus didn't notice her. And she really believed that Jesus didn't know what he was doing. Do you see that in the text? She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? You ever said that? 
You walk out of your work someday, you did all the work. Isn't it funny when we tell everybody? Like we never tell our coworkers, but everybody asks, hey, how's work going? I worked the hardest. We don't say to our coworkers, everybody else, oh, I should be CEO. This guy doesn't even know what he's doing. We come out of our work sometime, and we say stuff like this. Jesus, do you even care? Jesus, do you even notice what I'm doing? That's a distracted heart and a distracted I've, I've said stuff like this. I'm the only one that cares about this. I'm the only one that's doing this. And it's a heart of distraction. And then listen to what she goes on to say. She yells at him, Jesus, tell her to help me. It's like, whoa. This is why Jesus stops in that moment and goes, I hear you, Martha, and I love that you love to work hard and a work ethic. Guys, it's good. It's great. It's a gift. We need to do good work. Matter of fact, as Christians... We ought to outwork the world because we have a call on our lives to do good work. It is a gift from God. God has put us in our places of work to bring his glory and his light because sometimes we can't talk about Jesus in our work, but people sure can see Jesus in our work, can't they? They see the way we work. They see the way that we care. They see the attention to detail. And Jesus is saying, hey, Martha, I've got to call you to this. And he said, hey, you're worried and you're upset about all these things, but only one thing is needed, and that is me. Greater than what you can do, Martha, is me at work in your life. Here's what you and I have got to understand. Too many times we get focused on our career, and we get so career-oriented that we leave Jesus to the side, and our work is over here, and Jesus is over here. And here's the reality when Jesus is telling Martha, and what he's telling us today is this, the greatest, most rewarding, and the hardest hardest work of your life will be spending time with Jesus. Being with Jesus, not just in a moment, moment, like kind of morning, you know, discipleship moment of reading your Bible, but I'm talking about being with Jesus in every moment of your work. That you say, Jesus, I'm not just about my career over here and you over here, but Jesus, I'm about you in my work, in my career, in the calling that you have on me. Because this is why Jesus said to Martha, why are you so worried and upset about so many things? You've got it all wrong. And here's what Jesus was reframing. Martha was all about the doing. You've got to go get stuff done. And Jesus says, no, your doing and your work comes from your being. One thing is needed. Jesus says it's not just about what, we say that all the time, don't we? Once we get somebody's name, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Hey, Cool. What do you, you do? That's what we always say. And there's nothing wrong with that because there's work involved. But here's the problem. Too many times we let our work define who we are. And Jesus says, Martha, Mar- Nathan, Nathan, you are worried and upset about many things. And what he's saying in this moment to Martha is this, your being with me will lead to your doing in your work. Because what he's trying to get her to understand is this, if you just start with your doing, if you just start with your work, it won't be long before you're done. Burnout, highest rate ever. How is it possible that as the country we are the most successful in the history of the world 
and we have more people who hate their job and are burning out and depressed with their work. How is it possible? might be because Jesus is saying, I have a different way for you to work. And I want your being with me to lead into your work, to lead into your relationships. Because then he says this, not only are you worried, he says, you're upset. And I'm like, oh, I bet she's just kind of a little bit frustrated with Jesus. I didn't realize this, but that word he uses there means to start a riot. Martha wants to backhand Jesus. That ain't Nate interpretation. That's in the Greek, man. Martha is ready to get out. She's ready to like, Jesus, what'd you say? You know, you better tell her to come in here and start helping me. She's ready, man. She is lit up. She is on fire, ready to go. And here's what, I, here's what I'm learning about the life of Martha and in my own life. Man, she lost her cool in this moment. She blew up on Jesus. And I don't know about you, but every time I've lost my cool in a conversation, every time I've blown up, I can look back at that moment and go, yep, I wasn't showing up with Jesus. I hadn't been spending any time with them. I wasn't bringing them into my work. And those times that I lose my cool, those times, all those conversations that I regret, I can pinpoint back to going, yeah, I was leading out of my doing, not out of my being with Jesus. Martha, Martha, why are you so worried and upset? Only one thing, one thing is needed. Then he goes on to say this, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away. From her. Today, you and I have a choice to make with our work and the life that we live and how we work and the way in which we work. And here's the choice that you and I get to make today that Jesus is inviting us into. It's this He's saying, I want you to work with me, not for me. See, this is the big mistake that Martha was making. She was working for Jesus, not with Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I found this to become easier in my life. It's easier to do things for Jesus than it is to be with Jesus. It's easier to, to go to church and go, all right, man, I did my good thing for the week. Now get off my back, Jesus. Check, right? Might even throw in some coin in the plate. Hey, that's extra credit, Lord, right? You know, you owe me a blessing this week. And we begin to go, hey, Jesus is over here, and my work and my life is over here. And he goes, no, no, no. No, 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 Mary has chosen what is better. She's chosen to say, no, it's not just about what I do, but it, Jesus, it is about who you are and leading in to our lives. I remember growing up, uh, especially growing up around the church, and, and when I decided to, to step into ministry, I'd have people say this to me uh, in junior high and high school. They'd go, Nate, that's so cool. You want to be a minister. I can't wait to see what the Lord will do with you. And I'm like, I know, man, it's going to be so cool to see what the Lord does. Then I went to Bible college, and a bunch of professors I had had my dad in Bible college. And like, oh, yeah, you're George, George's boy. Yeah, man. They go, man, that's so cool. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. And I'm like, I know it's going to be awesome. My first ministry in Illinois, people knew my dad. Oh, you're George's boy. Yeah, congratulations. Can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. And I'm like, I can. 
I'm, I'm ready for the future to come on. I'm sick of waiting for the future. I'm sick of waiting for that day. When is this stuff going to pick up, Jesus? And here's what I started to realize. The work that Jesus wants to do isn't there. It's right here. It's right now. In our life. Some of you, you're a stay-at-home mom. And you're going, does my work even matter? I don't get paid for this, but I'm on duty all the time. Does this even matter? Here's the beauty when you start working with Jesus. Jesus makes our work matter for eternity. For eternity. Yeah, but Nate, I'm just sweeping floors right now. I know, but are you sweeping floors with Jesus or by yourself? Because if you're sweeping floors with Jesus, you're sweeping floors for eternity. You're showing people the glory of God. This is why Jesus says this about Mary. She has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You want to have work that matters for your entire life, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, no matter if you're a CEO, no matter if you're a school teacher, no matter if you're making lattes, sweeping floors. Here's what you start doing. You start doing your work with Jesus. And here's what happens. Your work begins not just to give you purpose and a meaning. It begins to reflect the glory of God because Jesus is at work in and through you. C.S. Lewis, I love this quote when he defines what the real problem of Christianity is in the Christian life. Listen to what he says about this. this is, he's an author and theologian. Listen to what he says about the problem of the Christian life. He says the real problem of the Christian life comes the very moment you wake up each morning. New statistic is out. 80% of us now, the first thing we do when we wake up, anybody guess? Check our phones. 80%. You think we're distracted a bit? The real problem, and this is, this is an old quote too, this isn't recent. The real problem of the Christian life comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all day, not just the morning, all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings coming in out of the wind. I was moved to tears this week when I saw a deep work of Jesus. Some of you have seen this picture, and now the world calls it the hug heard around the world. Probably the most beautiful, deepest, raw emotion of grace and mercy I have ever seen in my life. If you don't know the story, you need to go Google it. You need to go learn about this story of Brant John. His brother, Botham, was murdered by Amber Geiger. And in the courtroom... Brent, who's a follower of Jesus, who's allowing Jesus to be in every single part of his life, instead of just waking up and leaning into the rage and the anger which is so deserved, 
to have when your brother gets murdered. He leaned into the deeper, silent, quieter voice of the Holy Spirit, and he listened to the work of Jesus because what Brant realized was this, there is only one thing that's needed. And he sat in the courtroom, and he looked at Amber in the face and said, because of the love of Christ, I can forgive you. And what he was saying in that moment is this, because of the work of Jesus, I can do a work that I couldn't on my own. Does there need to be justice? Absolutely. Absolutely. But in that moment, he said this, can I come give you a hug? See, the problem is this, we think our greatest goal is our career, when our greatest goal in our life is Christ. There is a deeper work that Jesus is wanting to do in you and in this world. The question is this, are you distracted or are you at the feet of Jesus? Let me just ask this question. I was challenged when I saw that. Because I'm going, that would have been an act of God in my life. To hug somebody who killed my brother. Where do you need to let Jesus in to your work? Where do you need to begin to allow him to do this deeper work in and through you? Is it your marriage? Where you're going, you've kept Christ over here and you've kept your marriage over here. Is it your career? Your relationships? Because Jesus is saying this. I've done a work on the cross that will change everything. Why are you so worried and upset? Because only one thing, one thing is needed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your holy and good work in this world. Father, we are well aware and distracted by the evil in this world. Father, even in our hearts here in the church, they're frustrated, they're angry, we're confused. And yet, Jesus, there you are inviting us to yourself. And so, Jesus, in this moment, before we rush out of here, before we start our week, before everything starts ramping up, We stop to say we want to do life and our work with you. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Change our work. Because Jesus, you are the only thing that is needed. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Everybody said together, amen. Amen. May you go with him this week. God bless you guys.